you know, one of the things is Easter is always a very special time of the year when uh, there's a real focus on the last hours of Jesus Christ on earth, including his death on the cross, uh, his resurrection to life. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. And just the difference that that can have in our lives. And, you know, the reality is, though, for a lot of people, they're not focused on Jesus at all. They couldn't give a rip about him. They're more focused on, and naturally, COVID-19 and what's going on and just the effect that that's going to have on their life and also the lives of those that they love. And, you know, the reality is that there's the sins of humanity were so more rampant in the times of Jesus and they were more rampant on the earth than any virus that we're dealing with now. And God could see that if something wasn't done, the very people that he created and that he loved would die and be without, well, they wouldn't be in relationship with him anymore. Perhaps you might relate to this a little easier because you think, well, I wasn't back there with Jesus then, so what are you going on about? Well, you as parents, those who have had children, you wanted to start a family, you wanted to create a new life and you wanted to have this family. Well, imagine you've created this beautiful life and your child grows up to about five or six. They've worked out how to make breakfast by themselves. They've worked out how to do a few things. And after a while they go, you know what? I'm not really interested in you. You're boring. Um, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. And you go, but but no, you know, I'll, I'll, we're family. We need to be together. No, no, I don't want a thing to do with you. I'm going to be independent. That's what I want to do. I'm going to be independent. And you can say, but you need us to help you. We need You need me to guide you. There's so many things in the world you don't know about. I love you so much. I want to be here for you. And they go, no, nah, you're stupid. I don't want to have a thing to do with you. I'm going to get on with my life. And then over time, you see what a mess they make, what an absolute mess of their life. And as a parent, you're loving. You just so want to step in. And someone says to you, well, well, how if your parents are loving, how could they let all these awful things happen to you? And, and as a parent, if you had to answer that, you'd say, well, you know, they wouldn't let me do anything. I gave them a free will. I wasn't going to force them to be in a relationship with me. I gave them a free will. And this is what it's like but my heart breaks for my child. I so want to be in relation because I created them. Well, you know, if you know how that feels as a parent, can I say, imagine how it feels for God, the population of the world all over, and his heart breaks and longs to be in relationship with you. And the very heart of man, the problem is the very heart of man is wants to be independent of God. And it's really silly. It says in the Bible, the, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And God loves you and wants you so much. And at that point in life, he stepped in for what was happening in Jesus' time and what was going to happen in the future, which is you and me. So God did something about it. He provided the very thing that could fix the global plague of sin all over the world, all over humanity. But it was going to cost him the life of his very son, Jesus. Why did all this have to happen? Because of you and me and the mess we get ourselves into because we want to be independent of God and because he has a love that's worth giving. If you believe that God's got a love worth giving this morning, why don't you just put that in the chat line, comment, hey, love worth giving, put it up there now. So let's look at perhaps the last time of Jesus on the earth and just see what was happening. The days before Good Friday, Jesus shares the Last Supper with his disciples. 
And this wasn't just any old meal. It was a very special Passover meal. It was a meal that the Jewish nation, they celebrated together when they wanted to just remember when God delivered Moses and the Israelites from the slavery of the Egypt. Egypt. Jesus wanted everyone to always remember the special occasion, not just as a once-off, but regularly as often as we take communion together. And the Last Supper, it was also a time when Jesus knew that uh, that it was going to be that, and it was revealed to Jesus that Judas, one of his own disciples, one that he put so much time into, was going to betray him. And it says in John 13, verse 21, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. He knew already. Because of Christ's incredible love for every person, he paid the price of swallowing the injustice of his imminent betrayal. How it must have hurt him that one he loved so much had betrayed him. It was one of his own disciples. And sometimes, you know, we expect to be shot out by our enemies, don't we? But not by our friends. Some of the hardest trials come from those that are closest to us. You may be feeling so isolated at the moment, not necessarily lonely, but alone in what you're going through. Can I tell you today that Jesus so identifies with you? He wasn't lonely. He had the relationship of the Father but he felt so alone in what was about to happen to him and what was coming up in his life, his death. He understands and he identifies with you. Jesus has a love worth giving. We can read in the book of John in the Bible, the prayer of Jesus. In John 17, verse 11, it says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. You know, this just highlights even more the love and concern that Jesus had for everyone. His concern was not for himself, but for his disciples. And he prays for them even when he knows he's going to the cross. His love and concern for you never, ever stops. And then we see when he's in, the Last Supper was now over, but Jesus and his disciples, they make their way to a little olive orchard known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And, you know, as I've thought a lot, a real lot about this time for Jesus, I feel that it was in the garden where Jesus really nailed the sacrifice that he was going to have to make, physically, mentally and spiritually, that he was going to have to die on the cross for all the sins of humanity, past, present and future, once and for all. You know, he agonized over and over again, three times on separate occasions. He prays a similar prayer in Luke 22, verses 42 to 44. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Then he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. 
Is Jesus agonizing at the thought of the physical suffering he's about to endure? The excruciating torture and the agony of the cross? I'm sure he was. But perhaps there was something more. The cup from which he was reluctant to embrace symbolized not just the physical pain of being crucified, but the mental distress and humiliation, the injustice, but much more importantly, the spiritual agony of bearing the sins of the world. As Jesus looked into that cup and saw how his heavenly father was going to be looking at him as he wore the sins of the world, his soul must have recoiled in horror. You see, it was probably not the fear of death that caused him such agony, but the awful prospect of seeing how sin separates you from God. And the thought of that was unbearable for him. There's an anonymous quote that says, if we haven't that within us, which is from above, we will soon yield to that which is around us. But Jesus, however, didn't yield to that which was around him. Because of his incredible love for his heavenly father and for you, he resolved in his heart that he would proceed with his mission to redeem you for your sins so you could be forgiven when you ask, to redeem you so you could connect with your relationship with Jesus and his heavenly father and to redeem you so you could spend eternity with him long after your physical body dies. In the book of 1 Corinthians 13 in the Bible, it has a lot to say about love. Quite often this, this scripture is, is read at weddings a lot. And it says, this talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, it says, love endures all things. And that the love that Jesus had for us enabled him to endure all the incredible injustice, the humiliation, the cruelty, and the pain like we could never, ever imagine. When Jesus could have said, enough, I've had enough of this, I'm not going through with it at any time and decide not to follow through with going to the cross. Why do you think he went ahead? Why do you think he went ahead and did it anyway? Because his love for you was far greater than you could ever imagine. Love for you is far, far greater than you could ever imagine. He has a love worth giving. Max Licardo, a wonderful author, tells of a story of Lee Ilpe, a retired New York firefighter. He gave 26 years of his service, of his life to the service of the city. But on September 11, 2001, he gave much more. He gave his son, Jonathan. Jonathan was also a fireman as well. And when those twin towers fell in New York, he was there. You know, firefighters are a loyal clan. And when one perishes at the line of duty, the body is left there until someone who knows them, who can identify them and knows that person can come and literally pick that body up and take it away. Lee made this his mission to find his son's body. It was his personal mission. He dug daily, dug daily with thousands of others at the time at the age of six on that 16 acre graveyard. And on Tuesday, 
the 11th of December, three, exactly three months after the disaster, his son Jonathan was found and Lee was there to carry that body out. He didn't give up, but father, he didn't quit. He refused to run and leave. Why? Because the love he had for his son was greater than the pain of the search. And can't that be said about our Christ? Why didn't he quit? Because the love for you, his children, you and me and all of mankind and humanity was greater than the pain of his journey. He came to pull you out. Your world had collapsed. You were dead, dead in sin. And that's why he came. He came to save you from yourself and the grip that sin has on you. He didn't want anyone to miss out on the chance to be truly free and alive. And that's why he endured everything it took because love endures all things. Why don't you write that in the comments this morning? Love endures all things. He has a love worth giving. In Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 5, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, sorry, I'm just, because of his great love for us, God who, I'm just lost the place, sorry. It's, sorry, it's gone. We'll just have to leave it. Sorry. Let's go on to the next part of Jesus' life on the cross. Because of Christ's enduring love for us, he went to the cross with a thorn of crowns penetrating and cutting into his head. He'd been spat on, punched, blows to his head repeatedly. His back ripped up and dripping from the blood from a brutal flogging. In Isaiah 52 verse 14, it says, there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. Jesus was an utter mess to look at. You couldn't even recognize him. No person should ever have to go through that and what he did. When soldiers gambled for his clothes, soldiers, soldiers scoffed and, and others mocked, leaders mocked him. The love that motivated Christ to endure all he had to was the same powerful love that enables him to say in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How hard it must have been for him to say that, but how amazing, how amazing must have been the love in his life for everybody that was far greater than what was going on. And it's far greater than all that's going on in your life. You think, wow, I've messed up so much. How could God love me? God's love is far, far greater than anything you could mess up and do in life. And he always welcomes you to be in relationship with him. When Jesus could have been so justified in feeling extreme anger in the midst of all that agony, he extended grace to humanity. And that same grace he makes readily available to us today so we never have to live with unforgiveness in our lives. 
You know, I believe unforgiveness has more to do with what we are holding on to and the injustice and the hurt that we won't let go of than it has to do with the injustice and hurt that actually happened to us. It takes a short time for injustice to happen, but it can take a lifetime for the recipient to finally let go and forgive. What are you holding on to today? Is it really worth it? Is it really, really worth it? As Christ redeemed us, we too can redeem our broken relationships.